to uh, thank my wife for uh, loving me for 24, for, for 41 years. I thank God for that. Would you please stand, Miss Everett Rosalind Cannings? Thank God for her. Thank God for her support. Um, you know, uh, through seminary, through doctoral programs, starting a church, coming to Houston with no salary promised, um, raising two kids and small apartment and because of school and all those things and us uh, starting this ministry from scratch and wanting her husband to do well by building the school from scratch and uh, working hard night and day. My wife is not a loud person, not up in front person, but uh, for 41 years, um, she has supported us as a family, and, uh, and I just want to thank her for loving this crazy man for 41 years. I thank God for that. So I appreciate y'all praying for us. Are we going to have a trip that is scaring her because of COVID? But uh, when I get away, I'm better. <laughs> when I'm here, I'm distracted. So... Uh, I want to just thank her for loving me for 41 years. Thank her very much. I think, uh, I think I've had her longer than her mama. <laughs> um, Pierre's going to be back next week. Um, I, I thank God that y'all are blessed by the vision that I believe God has provided me is to reach young adults. I hate seeing y'all in and out of church and uh, finding church not to be as effective for you. And I'm glad that I can serve you from time to time. But I'm also glad that God has given us somebody that is well-trained, well-prepared to serve you as well. So don't, don't panic. I'm not going to be here every Sunday and Pierre no longer preaches second service. That's not happening I just want to do something from time to time. And this is one of the times I'd like to finish this message today. So please turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and I'm glad that God has blessed soon to be Dr. Pierre Cannings to serve you all. Yeah. Pray for him. His dad is on his case to finish that dissertation. I see my granddaughter getting bigger and bigger. See her walking around here. She, anybody date my granddaughter, I got to come through him and me. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I ain't got nobody hot. Well, that's not true. I will. <laughs> Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Let us stand and read from, uh, we finished up verse 11. So we'll start in verse 10. No, I'm just playing. We start in verse 10, but we're going to actually start the message in verse 12 today. As we continue this series, it's time. What do I mean by that? The church was dispersed along with the world. It was. Okay? You could take that for granted. We just shouldn't. Pastors have died of COVID. Church members have died from COVID. God don't make any mistakes. 
And when he allows certain things, he is talking. You could ignore him, but he will never be ignored. So God knows everything. He says, I even know when a sparrow falls, one sparrow all across the earth. He still knows when one falls. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. He is that attentive of God. So when this is happening, it's time for us to slow down and stop pointing the finger at everybody else and look at us. It's time for us to evaluate how from this we get better, not worse, not bitter, better. In Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at verse 10 just to create context. In verse 10 he says, He who descended in is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things, all the heavens. There's three heavens. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. Not heavens in the sense of heaven, but there's first heavens. We are in it. We look around, we see the stars, the skies. The Bible views that as the heavens. There's a second heavens that nobody much know about. The Catholic Church calls that purgatory. It's not true. Nobody knows much about second heavens. The third heavens is what Paul would say is paradise. Okay? Now, in verse 10, he says, verse 11, he says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the whipping of the saints. There was a purpose to this. For the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of of Christ. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that you did not put us in a place where we just come and go. You have a purpose to this. So God, help us not to lose that purpose in our busy schedules and problems of life, the pain that struggles bring. But in this, God, we will become more more revered. The church will become something we revere and grow and see the significance of so that your glory is magnified powerfully when the earth is struggling. So bless this time, we ask God, that this message will come to our hearts and our minds, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I look at you Texan fans. I'm praying for y'all. And what you're having to do is rebuild your team, y'all's team. You got to rebuild it. It's my second team after the Cowboys, but, you know, y'all's team. You have to rebuild it. You have to put all these players together and make all these players come together. So you're doing a grounds-up thing. You've got to get the right players, link the right players together. However you put, however the, the manager puts all this together is so that the players will come together and function as a team. With schools starting up, a lot of people are putting together teachers. They're trying to make sure that the teachers line up properly. They're trying to make sure that you got the math teacher, the chemistry teacher. you got the teacher that's teaching English literature. you got all these different things taking place. And because of all these people operating together and functioning together, you now have a curriculum that you could build. And when you build that curriculum, you could teach the students that come in. Whether they're students that are disabled, whether they're students that have to go through these different uh, functions that 
may need because they're special ed students or they're students that are excelling very well. You got to have teachers for all of that. And because of that, you have a team that is built ground up in order to address whatever situations you face. You go to the hospital, they, they got people that could fix broken legs. You got people that could deal with heart attacks. You got people that could do anesthesia, be anesthesiologists. You've got people who could deal with nerve or nerve problems. You got this team that comes together to manage everything that the hospital has to deal with. Well, guess what? We come to church. God sees us as needing a lot of help when he sees us because, you know, Satan is busy. Sometimes I want to teach a message on Satanology, but I know it will scare you to death. Satan is busy. He is an evil person. He doesn't, he doesn't think past evil. He just, all he could do is be evil. It's not like he decides to be evil. He is like water is wet. He's just evil. That's what he does. And every day he wants to destroy us. Why? We God's prized possession. We are bought with a price. We are his possession. He wants to steal that possession away from God and destroy it. He wants to take away our faith. The Bible says in the last days, the people of God will lose their faith in God because they see all this mess happening and it seems like God don't care. And their faith in God will drift. And as a result of that, Satan wants to use that against us by bringing one thing after another. There's an Ida. And there's COVID. In the midst of COVID, you got an Ida. you got all these different things happening, one after, the, after another, to destroy us into the state of discouragement and depression. So the Bible is saying, with that kind of activity going on, he's going to heaven day and night, he needs to create a team. And that team needs to work together from the ground up to be able to help people who walk through the doors, just like a hospital would, just like a school system would, to make sure a student is doing well. That's what he's talking about in this message, and that he put together first a fortifying system we talked about last week. The fortifying system is to build up a group of people who could withstand what Satan is doing. Then he puts together a team onto them to make it work. In other words, if you were to go to the Texans, they're going to be a coaching staff. And when the coaching staff is in place, they could build a team. You go to the hospital, there's going to be a person who oversees everything that's taking place in the hospital so they could build a team. You go to the school district, you're going to have principals, assistant principals that build a team. So the Bible is saying, I put together apostles prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teachers because I need to fortify the place in order to build a team. And when that team is being built, we talked about last week, they need to be equipped because they don't, they come unequipped. In other words, they, they come functionally unequipped. What do I mean by that? We talked about it. Equipped is like getting a, a ship to go across sea, the seas and they didn't have all this stuff we have today. So when a ship is setting out to sail, it's the experience of all the sailors go to place. We need this kind of food in case we're wandering this way. We need this kind of sails. We need that. And because they're coming together to make sure all those things are in place so they have a successful voyage across the seas. Because of that, the Bible is saying the same thing. We're going to face trials and difficulties. Don't act like something strange is happening to you when you go through trials, when you go through pain. So the Bible says you're going to have trials. I'm going to use it to grow you, to mature you in James chapter 1. I'm going to use these trials. So I've got to equip you to deal with all these things that are taking place. So equip means that the pastor has to provide us all that is necessary to make this, this process work. So before people could go to work in the church, the pastor must make sure that they are equipped to do the job of ministry. So today, I want us to go past that. But he says that all of you will be interested in this. So what do you mean? 
He says, do this with saints. Not, not everybody going to want this. There's some people who want to come to church and go home. Leave, the, leave me alone. I don't want all of this stuff. Like some people that go to work, they just want to check. They don't care about the job. They don't care about what the company is about. They just want to check. Like some players on the Texan team, Cowboys team, New England, they just want the check. They don't care about whether or not they win or lose. Just glad to get a check, man. I'm, I'm, I'm rich now. I'm play, man. I'm going to make sure I keep my spot. I'm going to make sure that I get my stats up. And when I get my stats up and I keep my spot, I get more money and I can make myself go to another team and build my reputation. And then I'm, I'm this star player and I now could be rich. Not interested in the team. They're not interested in the coaches. They're interested in anything but making themselves rich. And some people just want to be blessed in the city, blessed in the fields, blessed when they come and when they go. They're not interested in what God is trying to do in their life. So they come to church just to come and go. They just want to be blessed. They're not necessarily seeking to become a saint. Saint meaning they're set aside and want to grow in God. They want, the saint literally means a person who sees holiness as not something that is beyond their ability because inside their life is the Holy Spirit who could transform them into a person that is holy. A person that is God conscious. A person that lives with the understanding that God knows everything. And therefore when I live, I reference God in my mind and my thoughts and my words and how my attitude and how I think and how I function. That person operates that way. So he says, you got to go work with those people first. Not everybody's going to want it. Not everybody's going to want to be on the team and function this way. So he says, that's okay. Make sure as a pastor, you figure out who they are and work with them first. Because you're going to take that kind of maturity to help everybody else mature. So the ones that come and go will eventually be blessed, developed, and matured because the people who are saints are growing up themselves. And because they're growing up, they could grow other people up. That's why sometimes the pastor will go find people that he could work with to get them to develop this. Because he's saying, this is how from ground up you could develop a team that will make this process productive. And this is what he says as we move forward this week, as we move forward this week in developing these bodybuilders. How do we develop these bodybuilders? Well, he's going to tell us. He's going to tell us. You know, I go to the gym and I don't, need, I don't want a trainer. I don't want a trainer. You know why? Take too much time, take too much money, and when you leave at my age, you're about to die. Because they, 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 these trainers are like 20-something and 30-something. You know, if I find a trainer in the gym that is like, 40-something or 50-something, I probably would work with them. They understand what it's like in the real world. But when they're 20-something, 30-something, and they want to work me out, I'm going to die up in there. So you got to have bodybuilders that are committed at the same level that God needs for you to be. That's why he is saying right here in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Watch this carefully. For the work of service. Watch this carefully. For the work of service. Service meaning for the work that everybody is going to put together based on one agenda that God establishes. What do you mean by that? Nobody could do work of service without the spiritual gifts. So let's back up for a minute. Spiritual gifts, uh, please hear me. It's not something you can gain. It's something that you already have, that you now must work out. 
He says this in chapter 1, verse 3 of Ephesians. I've given you all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ. All spiritual blessings. So the point of salvation, God puts inside of us a spiritual gift. When we are born, we are given a talent. So that we could go do work. Okay? So we go to work and gain money from that job. That's why the Bible says, when you find a job you love, that's your gift. That's something God has given to you. Because I now I'm doing a job where it's not, I got to get up and go to the job. When I'm feeling like, I'm, man, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. This is a passion I have. The Bible says, that's your lot in life. You found it. The Bible is saying, when it comes to spiritual gifts, at the point of salvation, you could get a lot without being saved. But you can't get a spiritual gift without being saved. Because a spiritual gift comes at the point of salvation. And the Bible is saying, because verse 16 of chapter 4, he fits his body together fitly. Pastor can't do it. Nobody in the church could do it. Only he fits his body together fitly. And when he fits it together fitly, it's because he puts spiritual gifts in everybody's life so that the church comes together to be his body. Not the pastor's body, not your body, not the church, whatever that means in our mind body, is his body. So he knows what parts come together fitly. So the Bible is saying that could only happen with the Holy Spirit giving us spiritual gifts. Nobody can decide that. Nobody can gain that on their own. The Bible says the only way you gain that, watch this carefully, I want to show it to you. He starts off by giving us the gift, chapter 1, verse 3. He, he tells us how the gifts work in chapter 4. Then when he tells us that, he's going to tell us how he fits it together, but he's going to put in the middle of all of that work of service. So the best way to experience a gift is to decide to go to work in the church. If you don't decide to go to work to serve, not, not go to work to where I set the agenda, I go to work to be a servant in the church. Meaning, whatever God's agenda is, I'm going to execute that agenda. Whatever it is, because I'm a servant. A servant, when they go to somebody's house, don't own nothing, got a master, and they got to please what the person says because the person is telling them what to do in, the, in their house. The Bible says when, Jesus, when the disciples wanted to know who sits on the right and who sits on the left, Christ says, no, you must be servants. You must be slaves. I set the agenda. You own nothing, and you're going to be accountable for everything I give you. So the Bible is saying when you find people that are saints that want to work, put a lot of energy into doing something to please God because he sets the agenda. That's why you end up in attaining unity. He owns everything. He died for the church. It's his body. He's the head of it. And when we get to heaven, we're given account for the work we do. That's why it's a work of service. And the only way they can do a work of service that attains unity so the bodies fit together fitly is through the gifts. Let's look at it. So they first just have to go to work. I, I'm never, I want to share this with y'all because I, this blew me away. I remember when we had the Northeastern uh, uh, past, pastors leaders thing here in Houston. They chose us. They got a lot of islands they could have gone to. But I raised my hand at the convention. And they said they will come here. And we had folks from all around the Caribbean here. Right here. And I remember needing bus drivers. And so we just went around asking people if they would drive buses. Just ask people to drive buses. And there was this person who said, yeah, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. 
You know, I'm off during the day. I go to work and later on, I, I, I ride the bus. I drive the bus for you. Of all the bus drivers, he would bring cookies, umbrellas, because it was raining like crazy. He would bring water. He would do all of these extra things we never asked him to do. And everybody was saying, man, why are you doing all this? Oh, I just love doing it, man. I'm happy because they're coming out and they, they're thirsty because they've been, been through mystic to a message. They've been through daytime classes and they're going home tired and I recognize they're being tired. So I'm going to get them a little, some cookies, some snacks when they get to the hotel they could eat. And, and he's doing all of this stuff. What did he say in the midst of just bus driving? I have the gift of service. Because he found energy from it. People were coming to me saying, who's that bus driver? Everybody's lining up on that bus. <laughs> Everybody going to that bus. They ain't trying to go to the rest of the buses. They're going to that bus. And I found out who the person was. And I started watching that person over time and working with him over time and made him a deacon. Why? Because this deacon needs to have a gift of service. What did he demonstrate? A gift of service. But how did he learn it? From working. The Bible says, I will expose it because I'm the one fitting the body together fitly. You're not, Pastor Cannings. I am. So create work for people to do. That's what your job is. Go create work. Make sure the work lines up with the Bible because the spiritual gifts line up with the Bible. You find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 4 through 8. He says, the spirit gives spiritual gifts. Jesus Christ gives the ministries. So a pastor can't line up ministries that Jesus doesn't give because it's his body. So if he's lining up ministries that is his body, Jesus Christ's body, then the spiritual gifts match. That's how you know whether or not the ministries actually line up right because the spiritual gifts will match perfectly. But the Bible says to get it worked out, put them to work. But make sure the ministries are what I'm saying is a ministry. So that's why a pastor can't just put whatever he wants to get in the church. It has to be the ministries that line up the way Christ called a ministry a ministry. And he lines them up in the Bible. It's really not as hard to figure out. So look at chapter 4. This is how, earlier in chapter 4, this is how the bodybuilders work productively because this is how they bless the church. So that when people come to the church, like people go into hospital, there's a perfect team that makes them better. I would hate for you to come to Living Word and be the same. After 10 years, 5 years, 6, what is the point? You know, what's the point? Come to the same church, you don't get no better. That is not the way it's supposed to be. That's why we work so hard, not just me. They're elders, they're deacons, they're associate pastors, there's assistant pastors, there's associate pastors working, doing different things. Not just me. But look at Ephesians chapter 4. He says this. He says, he says, verse 1 says, Therefore I, I, the prisoner of the Lord, he's writing while he's in prison, implore you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Not just the pastor has that, you have that. God has put a spiritual gift in you and he's calling you to use it. He says right here, With all humility... Don't come telling, anyway, let's move on. I don't want to preach every verse because I want you to get the point here. Humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another because you're trying to help one another in love. Tolerance. Somebody may grow faster. Somebody may grow slower. Somebody may get something. Somebody may not. Somebody may need to go back and re-listen to the sermon to even get what it was saying. So you have to have a level of tolerance. 
Some people may walk in church and they just got saved and cursed in the foyer. That has happened before. When I was in college, somebody got saved and she's in a meeting with everybody else and she just got saved. Uh, probably two weeks. And she was laughing and joking and cussed. I mean, a cuss, cuss, not, okay, cuss, cuss. Okay? Anybody go, oh, I said, wait, 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 wait. Like, I did like this. She just got saved. Peter was with Jesus for three years and still cursed. That's why he's saying, have some tolerance. Don't be self-righteous. How could that happen? This is living word. Uh, okay? He says, have some tolerance with one another. He says, being diligent. Don't come here apathetically serving God. That don't please him. So you must come with diligence to preserve the unity. You're fighting to make sure that whatever I'm doing is fitting the body together fitly. It is helping the church to function as a unit because I want the body of Christ to operate without being schizophrenic. I need it to be unified so people are built up. Each part is working so simply to build each other up. I'm fighting for that. Here's verse 4. There is one body, one spirit, just also as we've been called to one hope in your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who over, who's over all and through all and in all. And to each one of us, grace, the spiritual gift, was given according to the measure and the stature belongs to Christ. Ain't nobody gets to decide which gift is what. Nobody. Nobody. Christ gives it. That's why he says, do not compare yourselves among yourselves. It is a sin. He says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Because the grace was given is based on his measure. So that's why he is saying, Right here in chapter 4, make sure you create work for people to do that matches what he is saying work needs to be. And when you do that, it will build up the body of Christ until it all attain what? The unity of what? Faith. Now folks, hold on for a second. How do we mess this up? He literally goes on to tell us, and I'm going to do that in four different points real quick. How do we mess this up? No different than how a family messes this up. Really no different. Here's the first thing. You'll find it in verse 14. He says, the first thing that messes this up is that we get carried away by every wind of doctrine. Everybody, he says, every wind of doctrine. Look at verse 14. He says, he says as a result, we are no longer to be children, be immature into our feelings, be upset at every little thing. Get mad about every little thing. You know, children are, children are self-centered. That's what makes them children. He took my toy. You know, nothing around here, but that's my toy. They're self-centered. Everything is, oh, he hurt me. Get out of my room. It's, they're telling you loud. Who I am as a child is that I'm self-centered. You got to teach me to be selfless so I can learn what love is. I can learn how to be married. I can learn how to do my chores without being self-centered. And I got to take out the trash. I don't feel like it. That's a child. 
says, we, because the focus is for the body of Christ, get them away from being children. And the way to do that is when they don't get tossed by every wind of doctrine. Watch this carefully. People come up with all kinds of stuff these days. And it, it, sometimes it just really amazes me. You know, people come up with all kinds of stuff these days. Touch this. God will bless you. Here's some oil. We, got, we literally have what I call church fads. We really have church fads. And we chase those fads. And we run into those fads. And, and, and when, we, when it don't work out for us after about four or five churches, we ain't got nothing to do with church. But we're not committed to be solid in doctrine. Then the winds don't blow us everywhere. If a ship knows exactly where it's supposed to go, when the wind is blowing, all the captain does is steer using the wind to get where they're going. Don't let the wind just take the boat anywhere. And many times when it comes to us in church, it's whatever moves us, we roll with it. That's why he's calling it wind. He's talking about equipped and he's talking about wind. It can move us in whatever direction we go. So we enter our emotions. Ooh, that, ooh, ooh. Preach, preach. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So we enter whatever moves us and moves us emotionally and make us feel good. And as a result of that, we end up tricked. That's what he goes on. He says, carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery, trickery of men. By the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Anytime you could listen to a message and you never have to look at the Bible, you got an issue. If you could literally go to church and do this and listen to a preacher and you don't even know what he's saying in the Bible, that's when you're moved by every wind of doctrine. But the minute the person open up this Bible and try to teach you that, the Bible is saying they're giving you the directions, installing it in your car, so you could press your own GPS and get where you're going. You're learning how to get around town. As a result of that, you are now with a pastor teacher. But when you're with a preacher who does this, you can be carried by any wind of doctrine. He says, people that are going to do the work, that are going to do the equipping, that are going to be saints, what will distract them, what will not distract them is that. They're going to be going, that ain't right. I saw that in the Bible. That don't fit here. He got to explain that. They don't get moved. So the church is built up in the body. It's strong. The headship of Christ is solid. Nothing moves the headship of Christ. Any preacher come out here, pastor, person, say I'm a pastor teacher out here. Nothing moves it because they're here. The scriptures are guiding them because they're saints, solid, set apart for him, committed to see his body grow up. So nothing moves them. Why is that important? False doctrine, the Bible says, will destroy you because it's an act of Satan. second thing that would not move these people is that they don't follow their own way of thinking. Look at chapter 4 verse 17. He says, so this I say unto you and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Whatever makes sense. That makes sense to me. What's wrong with what you say? Hey, that makes sense to me. 
person is following their sense. They say they don't understand nothing after a while. They get dark in their understanding. It also dark in the sense of, man, church ain't no good, man. Well, I don't even know I'm in this marriage, man. They can't see their way through no problem. They get dark. They understand things in a dark way. Because they're following their own mind. And then God sees their commitment to that and he stops convicting them. The life of God is removed. And they become hard and callous. He says, he says, this person, the reason why they can build up the church and they don't become distracted and they don't become somebody that the church can't use is because they're not self-centered. He says it right here. In verse 21, he says, indeed, you have heard the, what has been taught to him. He says in verse 22, he says, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside your old self. They literally come willing to deny themselves, pick up whatever cross to follow God. And that's why they're in the body. They're being built up. They're saints. They help other people. They're committed to the work of service because they're not into themselves. Not into themselves. You want a marriage to be destroyed when a person gets into themselves. Into their own emotions and their own feelings. Marriage is gone. Same thing happens there. Then the person is not committed to truth, verse 25, but into winds of doctrine. Therefore, verse 25 says, laying aside falsehood, speak truth. When the winds of doctrines are not carrying them away, they stand in truth. Where's the facts to what you're saying? Tell me where the facts lie. How does that tie into, who's the truth? The Holy Spirit. How does that tie into what the Word of God is saying? Because of that, this person isn't tossed around. This person is solid. They're able to build up the body of Christ. Nothing distracts them from what God is doing because they're into the truth. And then they don't let Satan take the best of them. And their words are not messed up. That's why it builds up. Look at verse 27. The words are not messed up. Look at verse 29. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. But such is good, edifying according to the need of the moment. That's why they build up. They don't be coming to people going, why are you like that? Man, you twisted. No, they speak the truth in love. They said, that's just not right, man. But they stay with that situation because they love the person. They don't fight to win. They love the person, so they stick it out. Bible is saying, when a person, I mean, we are horrible for this sometimes. It just really bugs me sometimes, you know. Sometimes we say the most ugly things to people. And the Bible is saying, don't let unwholesome, words that don't help somebody get better come out your mouth. Don't do it. We all want to do it because the tongue never got saved, the Bible said. It's a deadly poison. Sometimes we, we not only speak words that tear people down, we just cuss like sailors. Christians can cuss like sailors. Look, look at chapter 5. And there, is, there, is, there, is, there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. You're building up the church. Thanks would lead to worship. Chapter 5, further on in chapter 5, it would lead to worship. Because I'm building up of the body, guess what we have? A worship service that is bumping up in here with the Spirit of God dominating. 
Look at chapter 5, verse 15 through 18. The Spirit of God is now moving in the church, operating in the church. So the church is growing up in Christ because when people walk in the doors, they're finding people that lifts them, builds them, not selfish, not carrying around with all kinds of winds of doctrine, not telling them stuff that don't even exist in the Bible just so they feel better, not telling them stuff that don't ex- work doctrinally in the Bible because it's just a doctrine they put together with their own f- mind and the way they think of different things things not, not even in the scriptures correctly but it just sounds good doesn't do that that's why the spirit of God sees truth who is he the truth so what does he do start building up he's truth he's building up the body he's working with the spiritual gift people are doing work of service he's building he's leading he's guiding he's, and he's using those people which could be a select group of people Christ came to the Mecca of Judaism and only from 11 people 11. Could you imagine coming to the Mecca of Judaism and only find 11 people? He had 70 people. At the cross, he had one. 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 You know, the players in a team at the fourth quarter, and you're down three points, seven points. The game is still winnable. That's when you know you got a player. You see, John went up there, the son of thunder, and stuck with Jesus. See, folks, what does John do? First, second, third John, Revelation. Paul says, beat me. Do what you got to do. I'm doing this job. Ephesians, Philippians. Philemon, Colossians, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Because why? He's a saint committed to war. Do whatever God says. He builds up. See, the Bible doesn't see that the world does anything for you but to tear you down. People on your job, Satan puts some of them to wear you out. People cutting in front of you in cars. Finances up and down in the country. Satan will put Ida, not a storm. We think we got a house, blow it away. Go to the insurance company. Well, the water didn't come this way. Water came that way. The water came that way. It'll wear us out. Finish with that, COVID. Constant darts coming. Put on the armor because he has darts, not dart. Coming. The Bible is saying, you got to have a place that no matter what's going on, there's some soldiers that will build you up. And they can't be self-centered because they're getting beat up too. But their faith, that's why he goes in verse 13, he says, until we all attain the unity of the faith. They're not living by sight. They're living by the word of God. They're not living by their circumstances. They're living by a commitment to the word of God. It's whatever God's word says. Okay, all right, I'm in alliance then, so what? 
I'm still alive. Let's do this. It doesn't matter. I'm in the fiery furnace. But hey, I see an angel next to me. Hallelujah. I ain't dead yet. Okay, I've been in jail 12 years because God gave me a dream, but I'm going to keep being the best jailer. I don't care how bad it looks. I ain't got no lawyer, no NAACP fighting for me. I don't care. I'm going to do what he tell me to do and be the best jailer there is. I don't care if I'm shipwreck beaten. I'm going to keep doing what God tell me to do. It's them people because the struggles of life don't tear them down when you walk in church and they're going through struggles they build up because they live by faith they don't live by sight they don't live by circumstances they live by what God is teaching and working in their lives and that's why they keep building it up from the ground up because nothing changes what they're going to do and that's why the church becomes established that's why the church stays established it doesn't get moved no matter what's going on because these people work by faith and not by sight That's what we need. That's why it's time. With everything going on, we need that kind of church. We need to stop playing church and do church God's way. That's why he says this. Oh, I love this verse. But we're out of time. He says this. And the knowledge of the Son of God. That's why the Bible talks about devotions and Bible study, all this stuff. Because, folks, I never forget this. Never forget this. I... Knowledge is not just having Bible knowledge so that we can do ecclesiology, phenomenology. All that does is lead to arrogance. First Corinthians chapter 8 says you got a bunch of arrogant people that fight and argue over theology forever and they ain't doing nothing but arguing over theology, being divisive. When people become so absorbed into what they know and it's no use to the kingdom of God, the Bible said they're useless. I understand this, folks. I never forget this. I, I flew into Chicago to speak somewhere, and, and uh, before I caught the plane, about two days or so before I caught the plane, the pastor said, man, listen, man, listen, I'm going to send somebody to pick you up. We're going to arrange everything. We're going to get your taxi right at the airport. We're going to reimburse you. It's right outside the airport. I'm going to tell you which kind of taxi cab to catch. In them days, it wasn't Uber and all that stuff. I'm going to tell you which kind of taxi cab to catch so that you don't get burned, and I'll take care of the expenses. I'll put you in a hotel, and that's not too far from the airport, so that I could come get you, and we switch hotels right after you speak. So don't worry about it. But I, but I want to go see my son's game. Please go see your son's game. I got no, he said, man, so he's apologizing, man, I'm sorry. No, go see your son play a football game. You enjoy that. Oh, no, Pastor, man, no, 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 you go do it. Your son needs that. Don't put me in there. From right now, this conversation is over. I'm catching the taxi. So I went over to catch a taxi, and I'm riding around. The guy is showing me, you know, downtown Chicago is this. They got a, 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 like a lake running through it and all this stuff. I'm going, yeah, yeah, you know. When I got to the hotel, the guy told me 50 bucks for this taxi cab drive. This is way back. 50 bucks. So, you know, I'm saying, oh, wow, I didn't think it was that expensive. He told me it's not that far from the airport. So I called him. He said, hey, Kenny, did you get a receipt? See, I got a receipt. What, is, what did it say so I can make sure I bring the cash tomorrow? 50, bu 50 bucks? He said, what are you talking about? The guy charged you 50 bucks? I said, yeah. Charged me 50 bucks. Oh, he ripped you off. I said, what are you talking about? He said, man, you could have walked to the hotel. I am enjoying seeing downtown Chicago because I didn't have a knowledge that I needed to have. Even though I had the car I needed to be in. I understand, folks. The Bible says you need the knowledge of God so you don't get messed up 
when winds of doctrine come, when feelings get high, when emotions are strong, when other people are doing trickery stuff, you have a knowledge that keeps you solid, don't move you. That's why he says, go to Bible study, read your, your, do your devotions. He's not saying, go to a pastor teacher. He's not saying these things to make you. That's a lot of Bible. He's trying to say, I got to educate you. Because Satan is bringing out information, Instagram, Facebook, he's throwing it at you. So if I don't feed you knowledge, you get moved by everything. That's why he says this. So that everybody grows up into the fullness of God. Could you imagine a church? <laughs> Could you imagine a church got a bunch of little Jesuses running around? Could you imagine that for a minute? The fullness of God that people that are saints are now having the character of Christ. It's so powerfully laid out in Romans 8. Same writer lays out what this son of God looks like. Could you imagine? Who was Jesus? Jesus was full of kindness. Could you imagine walking into a church and people are just flat kind? Just kind. What a contrast that would be from the job you may be on, the house you may be living in the community you may be in. Could you imagine walking into a church where people are full of love? It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what situation you're going through. Their love is unconditional. Could you imagine coming into a church where people are forgiving? Could you imagine coming into a church where you can meet a person who is, has the gift of giving and you're working hard, you're a single mom, you're giving it your best, working hard, but things are just difficult for you and people have the gift of giving to come to know you because God connects the body together fitly. And they happen to just know about your circumstances and God has blessed them and they bless you. Could you imagine coming into a church where you got so many decisions to make and people have the gift of wisdom? The gift of knowledge? Could you imagine coming into a church where you're running into a bunch of little Jesus who care, who's concerned, who will walk with you through trials and pain and difficulty, who will never leave your back open, who will stick with you? Could you imagine a church that has a bunch of little Jesuses running around? Folks, I can. Because he said it's possible. But you just need people who are committed to build something from the ground up. You know, people <laughs> sometimes get mad at me because they, they want to get married. <laughs> I ain't picking on nobody, but they want to get married. And I'm saying, premarital counseling. What? You know, premarital counseling. See, so, yeah, I want to talk through all this stuff. How to deal with in-laws that could be outlaws. How do you deal with money? What's your budget? Because none of these things got anything to do with marriage. Money ain't got nothing to do with marriage. In-laws ain't got nothing to do with marriage. Washing dishes ain't got nothing to do with marriage. So what's your chore list? Let's talk about communication and conflict resolution. Oh, we love one another. No, <laughs> Bible said marriage is trouble. It didn't say it was fun. It said the fruit of the Spirit is joy, not marriage. He said, marriage is trouble, 1 Corinthians 7. Okay? God give us passion. That holds us together when it's trouble. 
So you got to learn conflict resolution. How do you conflict resolve these issues? Oh, come on, come on, come on. We ready to get married. Marry us next month. No, we don't. We in, we in Vegas. Why? When you are able to build up, it's established. When conflicts come, they know how to solve it. Established. When hard times come, you teach them spiritual growth. The Spirit of God from the inside out blesses. You see, folks, that's the work we're not committed to. We just want to come and go. And that's why Satan can wear us out. Because we want worship. We don't want church. Let us stand. When God blessed me to start Living Word, we didn't even have music. I told the Lord, we're going to have church. I remember this church with just about 25 people asking Dr. Evans to come to bless the church. <laughs> I remember him saying, is, is there a building coming? Is there No. I just want this church to be in the Lord's hands from the start. At least at the end of this journey, whenever God has that, I know I gave everything possible to establish church. I know today people just want worship. Just get me happy. Have a pep rally. Give me a 15-minute, 20-minute message and send me home and I'm good. Maybe I'll see you in a month. But that's not the heartbeat of God because I'm resending you out a ravenous wolf. And he loves his kids. Every child is a gift from God. He loves his children. What good parent sends their kids out without teaching them what to look for, how to live life, would jump out and protect them in a minute, watch out for them? What parent is that? The Bible says God is our Father. He's not trying to send you out there to be destroyed. He sends you out there with strength to get better when trials are difficult. Trials are supposed to mature us, make us stronger. So since we are built up from the ground up, when we hit trials, we become better. A football player become better experienced. They could face any kind of defense and bring success. They could be like Brady, trade teams and still win the Super Bowl. Because they've seen the defenses. They've learned them. They know how to get through them. That's what God wants you to be. And I pray today that you would say, God, I'm stop playing church. I'm going to do church. And that you would come and stand here with me and say, God, today is my day. It's a journey, folks. It's not going to just happen today. I just want you to publicly commit. Say, God, I'm serious about this. So I publicly committed in the midst of this worship service to say, God, I'm doing church. That's why I wanted to finish this message because this is the heartbeat of this church. I want to serve you, young people. Thank God for a well-trained, well-educated, committed to his family, assistant pastor. But I do that because I love you and I don't want to lose you. 
because we get you back 10 years from now messed up because the world is not trying to build you up. He's going to be back. But would you join me here this week as we sing this song and say, yes, God. Come today. He is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is born with. If you'd like to join Living Word Fellowship Church, Pastor Lawrence is on my left. You're right in the far corner over there. Come this way, sir. Come this way. He's there. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, stand right here with me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the way to come to Christ is to say, God, I believe that you, Jesus, God, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead. He's the only way that I can have my sins forgiven. And I believe that in my heart, I want to turn my life over to him. Until you come to that third level, Christ is still looking at you as just making a confession, not a conviction. So I pray that you would give your life to Christ because none of this works without having salvation. None of it does. And I pray that you would give your life to the person who sustains your life, who keeps it every day, protects it every day. But coming forward here today, I'm not asking you to, when you stand here, I know you're not joining church because that's over there. I know you're saying, yes, God, I need to take you what you're doing in church seriously. And I need to walk through that process for your glory and honor. So we're going to sing the song two more times and you come. Just say, God, I make a public confession today that I will place church as significant in my life. Come today. The the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is part with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is part Tell me your name, sir. Jan? Jano? Jan Ellis. Okay, sorry. Bad ears. I'm getting like my mama. Couldn't hear a lick. All right. Dear God, it is such an exciting moment to see a young person today say, Yes, Lord, I want to take this process serious. God, I know what that means. It becomes a challenge for Satan. So God, I pray that you will protect him. You will not let anything or any person enter his mind that draws him away from what you're drawing him to. God, I pray that his spiritual gift will become evident in you. So Lord, when he serves you, he feels your empowerment. He feels the intimacy that we all learn and need 
So we experience you daily. So God, I pray that as he serves, you will protect him for those who may have unwholesome words so that Satan can't do anything to distract him from becoming what you want him to be. You've kept him for this moment, Lord. There's so many people dying, but you kept him. You brought him to church to hear this message, so he's responding. So God, I pray that you would bless his life, that you all become all you want him to be. Don't let no barson, no circumstance distract him. That whatever comes that may distract him, make him become more determined, I ask God. I pray that you would anoint him in this way. It's in Jesus' name, almighty God, we pray. Amen. We hear him, man. We got counselors, we got people that will guide and work with you. It's a blessing. If you'd like to talk with somebody and say, man, I, learned, I need to learn my spiritual gift. You want to turn to somebody and say that? Hey, we're here. We're here to serve you. We've got deacons here. We've got our young adult director here. We've got Pierre here. We've got our youth minister slash discipleship director here. So we got people here to help, okay? So you can stick around and say, man, I heard the sermon. Okay, where do I go now? Okay? You call us during the week. You get on the website and text, um, email us rather. We're here to serve you. We're not just here. We're not just here to have worship. Worship is not church. Eating dinner is not a family. That's hungry people. Okay? The family is who's going to do the dishes. Who's going to pay the bills? Who's going to raise the kids? Who's going to solve the problems? Family. So I pray that you would slow down and learn that because God loves you and wants the best for you. We'll conclude our worship service. Chris is going to sing, and then I'll, I like doing a benediction because the Bible says, I don't know what we're releasing you to. So I, as a pastor shepherd, want to make sure you're protected. So let's sing this song and then I conclude. spoke to Moses saying speak to Aaron and to his sons saying thus you shall bless the sons of Israel you shall say to them the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace 
God, I pray that you would rest, rule, and abide on the lives of your people. You'll preserve and you'll keep them and protect them and bring them back to your house safely, we ask. And we invoke this in the name of Jesus to Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Don't forget, at 10 o'clock each Sunday, we have a Life app available for you. I would love for you to be involved in that. And uh, we have Bible study on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. and 12 o'clock during the day. You can catch it live on YouTube and Facebook. Please respect the protocols so that we all continue to enjoy worship the way God has blessed us.